How many do not have a handout from last week? Raise your hand because Randy's going to give you some. So I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 all over. Probably about 12 to 15. We're going through a series right now. And actually, you can study this. Just I'm in Nehemiah, and you can study it. Just go through it. Um, I'm, I'm really going to start on point six today, but I might tap into stuff I taught last week a little bit and go forward a little bit. So here's what's coming up here in the next um, few weeks and, and next month and all. Um, so we're going to be teaching through this. This is really the uh, idea, you can call it vision, but the direction that the church is going right now as far as what we believe that God has us to do. Um, we have a mind to work. We want to build the kingdom, and we believe that's uh, Jesus' mission. we got City Quake going on. We have homeless ministry where some of us are going out twice a week or once a week uh, into homeless camps and evangelizing a lot on the east end of Newark. We are going to make a foray into Mount Vernon, hopefully, uh, and do some stuff there too. But that's going on um, all the time. And it's been a blessing. It really has been a blessing doing that. So we're, uh, if you want to be involved in evangelism and you need training, come see me. I uh, will teach you how or show you how to get involved in City Quake. Uh, how many have signed up or have been involved in City Quake? Raise your hand if you've been involved in it. Yeah, see, see ya. Uh, I encourage you to, if you haven't finished it or you've stepped away from it, get back on it. It's a training and teaching with goals how to engage people in faith. And it's really good. And some of the lessons are absolutely outstanding on that. And then we're uh, really working toward discipleship. And so we're uh, we're emphasizing grace groups or life groups. Kittle Life Group meets this Thursday at 7 o'clock at our house. If you want information about that, you can see me. But we're going to start uh, three more grace groups coming up, and that's going to start in March. And the idea, people need to be discipled. We need to be together in community, and we need to pray together. It was the church, read the book of Acts, it was never meant for the church to see each other on Sunday and say, see you later, and, you know, maybe not even say hi. You may have someone sitting over here and someone back there, and you never even talk, and you belong at the same church fellowship. Do you think that's what God intended? No. In fact, the way we do church is really, in a certain sense, it's cultural and it's artificial. The early church met daily. I don't think you're ready for that. But they met daily, they evangelized daily. It says that people were added to the church every single day. What does that tell you? Yeah, it means something was going on. Somebody was sharing Jesus on Monday, right? And Tuesday, and Thursday. Someone was, was inviting people to the temple. They met on the outskirts of the temple. And then they met house to house. Um, someone was inviting people, but they were telling the story of Jesus. It meant so much to their life. I really believe the way that the gospel truly works is for us to be engaged in it daily. It, it should be the center and focus of our life. We're only here for a short time. And so uh, we're teaching on building the kingdom. And if you want to flip over to Nehemiah, we're going to start there. I uh, started that uh, Romans 15, 4 says, whatever was written before was written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. So the Old Testament was written before and we just don't throw the Old Testament out. Did you know that? 
I mean, it's the Word of God. And some parts are challenging, but it is the Word of God, and we believe it's the Word of God. We believe all the way from Genesis to Revelation is the Word of God. And as we study the Word of God and we rightly interpret it, we can apply certain things to our life and to, the new, uh, to our daily lives. And that's what Paul was saying. Now, you have to rightly interpret the Word. Are we under the old covenant? No, we're not. No, and, and in fact, the Gentiles were never under the law of Moses. I, I hope you know that. Never. Never were, never will be. The Jews were under the law of Moses. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that we don't have law to God. That doesn't mean we don't obey God. But Gentiles were never under the law of Moses. But there's a purpose for it, and we need to rightly divide the word. And there's so much in there. Now, I was studying at the beginning of the year, and I really felt like this is a word for us to move forward in, not just because it's a new year, but this is just the direction we're heading. So before I get into here, I also want to say in February, we're going to have a great time. We've got some good things coming. Sister Amanda is going to give her testimony one Sunday in February, and she has an amazing testimony. It really is. Amen. And well, I've heard it, and we're, we're going to hear it again. It is amazing. You need to come. The miracles, the fact that she's alive today is a miracle, absolutely, and how God, but there's also a testimony about the Word of God and her, how her parents stepped out and stood on the Word of God. And then later that month, Kathleen, um, Kathleen Young, right, is coming, and she had an absolute miracle happen to her. She was at the point of death, literally, when God brought her back to life. She had cancer. She actually had it twice and she got a miracle. Then after that, a few weeks, probably in March, our very own apostle, pastor, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and scholar, Charles Jackson, amen, he's going to give his testimony, amen. How many of you read his book, that book he has? He's going to give his testimony. And the reason we're doing that is how many of you know God is a supernatural God? He's a supernatural God. He wants to move in our lives. He wants to connect. He is a faith God. He, he wants us to trust Him and believe Him. There's so much. That, that's three, and there may even be more, but that's at least three testimonies about what God has done. And when you hear those testimonies, they'll build faith in your life. How many ever had a miracle from God? Be honest. Man, I have. I've had so many. You just got a job this week. You got a job this week. God answered our prayers. God's moving. So be encouraged. Good things are coming. All right, flip over to Nehemiah chapter 4. And uh, so this week and next week, I'll probably uh, preach on these things. Remember, does anybody remember I promised to preach on giving? And you were really excited about it. Do you remember that Sunday? I said, I'm going to do a series on giving, and everybody shouted me down. And you remember that? Amen, amen. Well, you would if you understood giving. You would. Uh, you would. I just want to say, I'm going to, I am going to do that. I've got a couple lessons. We need to understand giving. We have to understand giving and receiving. We have to under, it's biblical. It's all over the Bible. So we're going to teach on that. It will help you. God, if I just told you the miracles that I have received just in the last couple weeks, you'd be amazed by it. To me, this is how I look. I, I can't go there. I'm not going to go there. This is how I look at money. It comes in, get this, and it goes out. It comes in, and it goes out. And if we get in the habit of living that way, it is amazing. It, it takes courage. 
You have to overcome selfishness and greed and, and, and things in your mind, suspicion. And, and I'm not even just talking about giving at the church. I tithe. I've been a tither since I was 26 years old, and God has blessed me. I'm talking about helping people. Comes in this hand, goes out this hand. I love it. When you get in a lifestyle of giving, it is amazing. You're going to be so blessed. God will bless you because he said he would, and he's not a liar, and you'll be blessed. It is more blessed to, but I can't teach on it right now. I'll teach on it here coming up. So be excited about it. Get ready for it. Okay, I want to read it in Nehemiah 4, and this is a thought for us. Nehemiah was a builder. Nehemiah was not lazy. Do you know laziness is not a characteristic of God? Did you know that? We're saved by grace and not by works, but anybody that is truly saved by grace. Paul said, I worked more abundantly than everybody. More. But yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. I worked harder than anybody. I remember when I was a young man and I was struggling, I, I got out of the Air Force, nine years in the Air Force, Staff Sergeant Kittle got out, and I was a single dad, and I met Pam, and she really, really was a blessing in our, me and my children's life. But I remember getting up at three o'clock in the morning and throwing newspapers. I remember, and I remember then going in early to do an early shift at FedEx, and then going in and doing my shift, newspapers at three, morning shift at FedEx, second shift, and sometimes if I could get it, doing a third shift, right? And something the Lord taught me was to how to work. Now, I understand sometimes people can't, and I have great mercy for that. If you can't work, well, then pray. Do something, right? You can pray. Do something. But God has not called us to be lazy, has He? No way. We should work. Now, we cannot... One of the mistakes I made when I was younger, I, I, I used to work so hard, is sometimes I put my trust too much in my labor. I'd work 60, 70 hours. I really believe sometimes I should have said, no, I'm, I'm only going to work 50, and I'll trust God to bless me. But I got in that habit of working a lot. But God gave me grace to do it because I had two hungry mouths that needed me, and I had a wife that needed me to work, and I had people I needed to give to during that time. And so God taught me how to work. God is a worker. And in the kingdom of God, we are to be workers for the kingdom. There's a scripture in Haggai, and I'll probably teach on it. God was complaining to the children of Israel right at this time. Right at this time. At the time when Nehemiah and Ezra was living, he said, you guys are building paneled houses. That's what it says. You're building paneled houses and you're setting up your own kingdom and your home. God told him in so many words, you got your 60-inch big screen TV all lined up, and you just built an extra room out there, and you're building new walls, and you're building a spare bedroom for, for your mother-in-law, and you just put in fresh carpet, and I, God, God didn't mind that, but he said, my house is laid waste. Someone say amen. He said, my house is laid waste. So you wonder why you have bags with holes in them, your treasure bags, you wonder why you have bags with holes in them. He says, hey, guys, listen. Come take concern for my house and see what I do for you. 
See what I will do for you when you have a concern for my house. And this isn't just talking about financial giving. It's talking about prayer time, praying for the church, praying for people. It's talking about serving in the church. It's talking about getting active in the church and serving God. God says, I have a blessing for you that I will pour out in your life when you seek my kingdom first. But you know, it's a natural tendency not to do that. It's a natural tendency to go off and build our kingdom, build our life, do our thing, and then give God the crumbs. Did you know that? That's your, that's our, every single person is like that. Left to my own devices, that's how I am. That's how we all are. Just stay home. I could be a hermit as quick as anybody. Anybody ever get that misanthropic uh, thing come on? You just want to stay home. You know what misanthropic is? Anybody know what misanthropic Who doesn't know what misanthropic is? Who does? Tell them. <laughs> misanthrop- There's actually a book written by, I think it's Albert Camus, called The Misanthrop. It means someone that's a loner, doesn't like people, wants to get alone by themselves, be a hermit. You know anybody like that? Are you like that sometimes? I've heard people say it all the time. I just want to get alone. No one bother me. I won't bother anybody else. That's called misanthropy. You're a misanthropic. But you know, Jesus is not a misanthropic person. He came to seek and save the lost. We're all in this together. It is not godly to be misanthropic. Write that down in your notes. If you don't know how to spell it, consult the Websters. We're called to be kingdom builders. I want you to say this, and I want you to mean it. I am a kingdom builder. Everywhere I go, at home, at work, and in the assembly. And you are. You're a kingdom builder. We're builders. God didn't call us to be lazy. He called us to be builders. So I want you to read with me Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4 says, But it happened, verse 1, when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked us. Amen. That's exactly what the devil does. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria, and he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they um, revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside himself, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, He will break down their stone wall. They were building for God and they were being mocked. I'm not going to go into point uh, five today so much, but they faced opposition. Anytime we build for the Lord, you're going to face opposition. The minute you want a strong marriage, the minute you want to stand out and strengthen your marriage, you'll face opposition. I promise you. The minute you decide to be holy and live a holy life, there will be a temptation come at you. Someone's going to test you to see if you mean what you're saying. The minute I've, I've seen it so many times. I've seen guys get out of jail. They tell me in jail, I'm done with the drugs. I'm done. I'm no more. Whatever their drug of choice is, I'm done. I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to get my life right. And I've seen it over and over. They get out of jail. They got their buddy picks them up and they're shooting up heroin within one hour of being out of jail. Have you ever heard of such a thing? If you want to be tempted, you say, I'm done giving up, looking at things I shouldn't look at. 
I'm done uh, with lust and the spirit of lust, you will be tempted. Something will come at you and test you because the devil wants to know if you're serious and he's going to find out if you are. Heaven will come to your aid, but you will have opposition. Don't be mistaken. The Christian life, it can be filled with love and power and grace. And when you get in that river of God, it is a joy to follow love. And it is, it's a joy to serve Jesus. But I know in my early days, especially, I, it felt like I had a hurricane coming against my walk with God. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was an old sinner boy. I was drinking and carrying on in the Air Force. I was chasing every girl I could see, and you just playing around, goofing. I was a big sinner. Got off work every day, and I went to the uh, NCO club. And anybody know about the NCO club? Any military people? Anybody? I went to the NCO club, and I put them down. And this 150-pound boy, all of a sudden, I thought I was a warrior. Had a few beers in me. I was living a reckless, careless, sinful life. And when God saved me and filled me with the Holy Spirit, I got so excited for God. I maintained that excitement and that joy to this very day. I'm still excited about God. I was 26 then. I'm 64 now. I am excited about Jesus. I was excited about Jesus yesterday. I was excited about Jesus Monday. I expect to be excited about Jesus tomorrow. But I want to tell you, I had a hurricane of opposition come against my walk with God. My wife walked out the door and left me alone with two children. How do you like that? I, I, when I got out of the Air Force, I couldn't scrape two nickels together. I moved into my brother's basement. I used to say, God, I, I thought you were going to prosper me. I, I, I thought that things were going to go great. I, I began to tithe. I began to do this. And it seemed like everything in the kingdom of hell was trying to stop me from following Jesus. Now, I had a lot to learn about following God. I had a lot to unlearn about following God. I had to unlearn so many things I thought about God. I had to learn about grace over religion. I had to learn about faith over works. A lot I had to learn. But I'll tell you one thing I did. I had some times where I, I slid back. But I'll tell you one thing I did is I didn't let go of God. I knew the answer was in God. I knew that Jesus was real. I know and I knew that I would stand before God one day and answer for my life. I knew that heaven was counting on me for my children. I knew there were lost people out there. I knew that I was called to be a preacher when I was in kindergarten. I remember in second grade, weeping with my Bible open. I, had a, I knew I was called to preach, but it seemed like my call to preach was so far ahead of me. I couldn't even pay my bills, let alone take a pulpit. I faced opposition of every kind, and I, I hope when I get there, at least the Lord will say, during that time in my life, I did not quit. Been easy to quit. Been easy just to give up and say, this thing don't work. I'm going back to the NCO club. God, forgive me. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. God, forgive me. Strolling to church at Christmas and Easter. But I didn't quit because I knew that Jesus was the answer. I knew that God is real. I know that one day I'll stand before God and I have something to do. I've got work to do. I had work to do this week. I got work to do tomorrow. And you've got work too. I want us to understand you're going to face opposition as a Christian. 
but God's with you, and He will get you through every single trial if you stand fast with Him, if you don't let go, if you don't get into unbelief. If you stand with God, God will stand with you. Someone say amen. amen. It's the truth. I'm a living testimony of it. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin go blotted out before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builder. Someone say, I'm a builder. You better be a builder. So we will build the wall, the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. I love this. The people had a mind to work. Now, it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arab, and the Ammonites, and the Ashtonites heard the walls of Jerusalem were being uh, restored, and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. Boy, isn't that how it works. You start building and the enemy wants to sow confusion. I've seen it. He wants to sow, sow confusion so much in the body of Christ. We have got, I, I don't want to get off on this, but we have got to become aware that we are in a spiritual battle. Guys, you can judge a tree by its fruit. You can understand the spiritual battle. If you have people talking division, they're divisive. If you have people gossiping, they're gossips. You have people coming in and sowing confusion, and they're speaking evil of one another. These, if you see this fruit, run from it. It is the work of the devil. Any, you look at Paul's heart and prayer, he's always praying that the people would be like-minded. They have one mind, and they have one vision, and they have one mouth serving God. There's nothing in there about people coming in with division and people coming in with gossip. and people. It's quite the opposite. What we really are, and I'm going to continue, we really are an army. Do you guys remember... Um, the TV series, The Band of Brothers. Do you remember that? That was such a great little mini-series. The Band of Brothers, these guys were united. It's a World War II uh, based on truth, based on fact. These guys were united around a common mission. A common, I guess if you go to the Moose Club, your common mission is getting drunk. What do you think? I don't know. What do they do at the Moose Club? Does anybody know? Never been there. I suppose the common goal is that you drink, right? I imagine, and get drunk. When you gather at the church, we have a common mission and vision. These soldiers in World War II said they never had such strong relationships in all their life before or after. They never loved anybody more. They never cared for anybody more. And they never felt so alive in all their life as when they were together, and they said, we weren't so much fighting for America, and they were, and we weren't so much fighting for, for this vision of a free world, and they were, say, we were fighting for one another. I was protecting the guy in front of me, 
He had my back and I had, have his back. Folks, we are in that same type of battle and it is a real battle and is a spiritual battle and we are to have each other's back. We are on a mission for God. There's no time to go AWOL. There's no time to disobey orders. Whatever the kingdom is, it's time to get in line with your assignment and do what God has called you to do. And I am telling you, it's a word from heaven and you'll be glad when you do it. Someone say amen. You know, in Saving Private Ryan, Lieutenant Miller, they all had to listen. Remember all the complaining that was going on in Saving Private Ryan? Another great movie. They were compl- I love what Lieutenant Miller told that one guy. He said, uh, what, the guy asked him, why don't you ever complain to us? And he said, I only complain up. I don't complain to you guys. I don't gossip and besmirch somebody. He said, if I have any complaints, I complain up. You know, that's how we should be. If we have anything that we need to say or do, we should go talk to God about it. It's amazing how God will hear your prayers and answer you. But the vision that they had to save Private Ryan's was not Lieutenant Miller's vision, was it? And it's not your pastor's vision or the lead, the, the vision to make disciples and the vision to make leaders and the vision to evangelize. It's not your pastor or the leader's vision. That vision is from God. Your pastor or your leaders are like Lieutenant Miller. They're hearing from somebody above them. And that king named Jesus is saying, hey, it's time to get to work. It's time to build. They could fight all they want. You know, in fact, the one time Lieutenant Miller listened in Saving Private Ryan, when he listened to these other guys, they went in and they attacked that armament. They lost people in the battle. It was a big mistake for them. They actually got off course. They attacked a gun arm because they were frustrated and they lost lives doing it. His mission, and it was singular, was to save Private Ryan. It wasn't an ego trip. It wasn't about obeying or doing what Lieutenant Miller said. It was about doing what the general said to do. It was about doing what the guy in charge said to do. And they were all on a common mission together. The unity of any church or any establishment is always centered around our common mission together, a common purpose. And all fellowship and everything comes out of that. We are worshiping and serving a king together, and we have a common goal. Do we not? I had a dream, and it was a spiritual dream. God's been giving me more dreams. It must mean I'm getting older. The Bible says old men will dream dreams. I must be getting older. I'd rather see visions, but, you know, I'm seeing dreams. I had a dream, and I was uh, underwater, and I was swimming, and I was trying to catch this fish. And I had been praying. I said, God, make me a fisher of men. I had just been praying that. God, make me a fisher of men. Teach me how to catch fish. I want to catch fish. Do you want to catch fish? I want to catch fish, Lord. Teach me how to fish. And that night I went to bed. After praying that, I had this dream. I'm underwater and I'm swimming. And there's a fish in front of me. And I'm just one fish, a little fish. And I'm trying to get that fish. And every time I go, he'd go to the right. And then that fish would go to the left, and all of a sudden, I had a brother. I don't know who it was. I had a brother come up beside me on the right, and I had a brother come up beside me on the left. And every time that little fish went right, that brother to the right chased him back over in front of me. And every time he went to the left, 
that brother on the left chased that fish in front of me. And finally, I got up to that fish, and they scared him, right? And I went in, and I cupped that fish in my hand, and I caught him. And that, that, little, that little critter jumped right out of the hole, right? And I just jumped out of there. And something, something else happened in the dream, and then I woke up. And I knew right away what the Lord was telling me. Brad, if you want to be a fish catcher, you want to catch fish, it takes teamwork. Amen. One man can't do it all, doesn't know it all, doesn't have it all. It takes a team, it takes a band of brothers and sisters to catch these fish. We need to be in this fish catching together. If I do it on my own, they're going to get away. If you get help, we're going to chase those fish right into the net. Someone say amen. I thought that was powerful. I, I could go on and read. I, I, I don't have time. Flip over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. What I love about this Nehemiah, when they were making fun of them and they were mocking them, Chuck, and they were after them, Nehemiah Nehemiah said, hey, the people had a mind to work. When they told Nehemiah, hey, we want to have a meeting with you. Come on, let's conference together. Let's talk about this. Nehemiah said, I don't have time to come down off this wall. I have important work to do, and I don't have time to come off this wall and make a conference with someone that's against building the church. You want to have a conference on whether I should be here or not, you have that conference, but I am not coming off the wall. I am going to continue to build. Nehemiah and his people at that time did not lose their focus. They weren't distracted by the devil. They weren't distracted by gossip. They weren't distracted by intimidation. They were determined to build the wall. Now, I feel this way myself. I believe this way myself. I don't want to come down off this wall. How about you? Good. Praise the Lord. They didn't lose focus. Jesus said this amazing thing, and I had this highlighted in my Bible all week long. Sometimes in the church of God, we can get into this someday syndrome. We say someday... There's going to be a, has anybody ever heard this one? And I, it may be true. I'm not mocking it. I'm not saying it's not true. But we hear this. Someday there's going to be a great healing revival. Has anybody ever heard that? I heard everybody's going to get healed. Everybody. And you ever heard that? And so we keep waiting for someday. When, have you ever heard this one? It's called uh, uh, the great reversal, the financial wealth reversal. You ever heard that? What's that called? What, what, what do they call that? I heard it back in the 80s. It was started in the 70s. The wealth transfer, the wealth transfer. I heard it back in the 80s. It came from the 70s. They, every so many years, it comes up again. It's a principle in the Bible. There was a transfer of wealth from Egypt to Israel. It is a principle in the Bible. It happened. But I know sometimes we get in this someday syndrome. We say, someday, there's going to be a great transfer of wealth. There's going to be a great healing revival. And what we do not understand is you have 
the blesser inside of you. You have the healer inside of you right now. You are right now empowered by God to go out and bless somebody else. You are empowered right now by God to be blessed. You are empowered right now to go pray for the sick, cast out devils, and raise the dead if you believe the word of God. It is not someday, it is today. The minute you say, I've got the Holy Ghost, there may be, and I'm not mocking it, and I'm not saying it's not true, it may happen, but I'm not waiting for that someday to come. Amen? I, girls, I'm not going to wait until I find my dream man until I'm happy. I'm going to be happy without him. Come on. I'm not waiting for that girl to come, although I got her, praise the Lord. I got her when I was serving Jesus, by the way. He brought her into my life. I'm not waiting for one other thing to happen. I am, I, I am going right now and fulfilling the call of God on my life. What you're going to find out is there's going to be a lot of transfer and a lot of healing and a lot of stuff going on when you get about the king's business. Let me read this scripture to you. How many have heard about the great transfer of wealth? I'm not mocking it. I'm not making fun of it. I'm not saying it's not true. You cannot stand in your seat or sit in your seat and not move waiting any longer. You're the answer. You cannot wait for a great healing revival. You've got hands. Go lay them on somebody. Amen? You can pray. You pray for somebody now. I am not waiting, and I'm not living in the someday syndrome. Are you? I read this morning by Heidi Baker. She says, you can be happy today. You don't have to wait for your husband to make you happy, your wife to make... She said, you can be happy today under great opposition, great persecution. The day that you wake up and you decide that Jesus is your everything, that's the day that you can be happy. Paul was in prison when he wrote, I'm preaching better than you guys are shouting. I really am. <laughs> I really am. I, uh, uh, Paul said, in prison, in jail, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. He didn't say when the healing revival came or when the great transfer came. He said it when he was in jail, uh, in, in shackles. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I really believe, and I, you know, I love being blessed. I want to be blessed. I want to teach you how to be blessed and how to walk in God's blessing. But I really believe if we really know the treasure we have in Jesus and in the gospel, we can be insanely happy right now, joyful, filled with joy. Joy is not circumstantial. It's based on who you know. Do you know Jesus? He's enough. He's enough. And when you get that right, and you go lay at his feet, there's going to be transfers, there's going to be blessings, there's going to be people say, there's going to be great things happen in your life when you get that part right. Listen to what Jesus said. John chapter 4. Oh, my Lord. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Ain't that a beautiful word, work? Do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Don't say that. Quit saying that. Stop saying it. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. What's that? Open your eyes. Oh, the, the, prophecy, the tongue interpretation, open your eyes and see. That's what was spoken out today in the interpretation of the tongue. Open your eyes and 
C. There is a mission we are called to. There is a task we are called to. And the fields are white right now. We don't have to wait another day. We don't have to wait another minute. Those fields are right. There are people that God is putting in your life that you are going to change. There are people that God has put in your life that you are going to bless. I, I, the Lord has really showed me this recently, and I hope you understand my heart. I believe in healing. I walk in it. Every time anything happens to me, I pray for it. I believe in God's blessing. The Bible says God delights in the prosperity of His servant. There's many blessings. I believe in that. But I think it is a disservice if when we teach so much on those things, when we lose sight of what God is really trying to do in our lives. Those things are benefits and they are blessings. They're in the Word. We can believe for those things and pray for those things. But what God is really doing in our life and the source of real joy and love and peace and the fruits of the Spirit in your life is the transformation that God wants to do in you. God wants to make you somebody so different than who you are today, who I am today. If we really believe the Word of God, God's end game is for you to look like Jesus. It's for you to look at people with burning eyes. You, look at, you have burning eyes for their salvation. When you don't have a fear in the world about what anybody thinks, about any financial destruction, you don't care about the Antichrist, you don't care about gloom or doom, when you're looking out at this world and you're seeing things like Jesus sees them. That's called transformation. Becoming like God. When that happens, all these blessings will overtake you. Doesn't the Word say that? Doesn't the Word say that? And that's our focus. All right, I'm going to end because my time's up. You guys with me? I am not telling you that you have to go out like a chicken with your head cut off and do a thousand things. I'm not telling you that you have to go work to be saved. God, I just read a, 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 one of the most powerful workers that I know of said, you could go in a cave, never do one thing for God, and just pray, and God loves you. It's not about that. God loves you right now. It's not about whether God loved, God, Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you right now, whether you do anything. It's about you loving God and people and wanting to be transformed into this image. I am never more full of joy and happiness than when I'm doing what God has called me to do. And it's not running around like a chicken with your head cut off, but it's praying to the Lord and saying, and by the way, these people that called me this week to help out, what a blessing you are and were. Uh, the ones that called me and said, hey, we can help in this area. It's praying to God, saying, God, what is my part in this army? What is it that you want me to do? When God called Paul, knocked him off his horse, the first thing he said to him is he said, I'm going to teach you what great things you have to suffer, and I am going to teach you what things you have to do. He would put him to work right away. I'm going to show you the things that you have to do. 
It's not running around like a chicken with your head cut off. It's hearing from the Lord and obeying the Lord. In order to do that, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must get in tune with heaven. We must. I'm going to finish here in uh, Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort uh, of His love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem the other better than himself. Let each of you look not only on her own interests, but also in the interest of others. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee would bow in heaven and those on earth and under the earth. Verse 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much now more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and do of His own good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and complaining. So here's where we're going. I think it's exciting. I, I don't know if you guys are as excited as I am. We are getting before the King, and we're saying, God, what's my part in this thing? What are my marching orders? What am I supposed to do? Do you know if you don't do your job, someone else has to do it? If you don't talk to that soul, God's going to have to send someone across the world to talk to that soul. If you, if you don't do your job, if you don't put your money in the plate, God's gonna, someone else is going to give twice as much. If you don't do whatever you're supposed to do, someone else is going to do twice as much. We're all called to do something. I am asking you to stand with the leadership of this church and have a mindset to build. Your blessing is right in there. Your blessing is right in there. Let's pray. Well, Father, I'm excited. I ask you, God, I, I, sometimes, Father, it's so hard to communicate what I'm saying because I know the joy and the peace and the, of serving you and, and, and loving you and listening to you. My prayer, Father, is that we would be exactly as you say. I pray for everyone here, not that they would get involved in legalism or performance-based religion, but they would line up and say, Lord, what do you have for me to do? What is my calling and what is my mission and Lord, that we would get together as a band of brothers and get busy in your kingdom. I pray you speak to every person here and speak to them about what their mission is, what their assignment is in your kingdom. I know you'll do it, Lord. Bless your people, Lord, as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we'll see you next week. We're going to go on the next three points. Amen. <laughs>